What a great time of worship tonight. Oh, so good. Our pastors, my parents, and uh, my brother and Mary, they're all away right now at a uh, pastor's conference, MFI Canada. It's their first MFI meeting for Canadian churches. We've been a part of Ministers Fellowship International now for, I don't even know how many years, over 20. Um, and they've always been held in the States. And this year, MFI has launched for the first time, MFI Canada. And so our pastors had the opportunity to go and be a part of that conference for the first time this year. And Pastor Mary got to preach. Yeah. Little fireball Mary up there preaching to the, all the lead pastors that were at this conference. And she did an amazing, amazing anointed job, as you would expect. Right? So they'll be back next weekend. Um, before I get started, i got to tell you guys a story of something that happened this week. I learned a valuable life lesson. <laughs> okay, so I'm sitting having dinner with my family, eating meat pie, and beets, roasted beets, and some spaghetti squash, and sausage. It was delicious. Anyway, I thought that if I was having meat pie, if I had some healthy stuff with it, it would make the meat pie less bad for me. So we're sitting eating dinner, and I look over, and I see my husband with his fork and his thumb pushing the food onto his fork. We've been married now for 17 and a half years, almost 17 and a half years. He's not used a knife since we got married. I don't expect him to start ever. <laughs> but it still, every once in a while, just kind of irks me just a little. So I said to him, we weren't talking about it. We weren't talking about the fact that he wasn't using a knife and nothing. I just simply turned to him and said, just promise me one thing, babe. He's like, yeah, what? He said, promise me at our kid's wedding that you will use a knife. <laughs> he goes, I'm eating pie. I'm like, so? You can still use a knife when you're eating pie? He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. I mean, the, the girls are like on my side because I tell them they have to use a knife. You can't use your thumb to push food onto the fork. That's gross. So they're like, yeah, dad, you should be using a knife. And without a word, he takes out his phone. Okay. And he starts doing something. Now at our house, we don't go on the phone at the table. It doesn't happen. So I'm like, what? Doesn't he go onto Facebook? I'm sure some of you saw it. And he said, Facebook poll. How many of you guys think a knife is for A, cutting the piece of pie and pushing it onto the fork, B, just pushing it onto the fork, or C, you don't need a knife at all when you're eating pie? I learned a life lesson this week. <laughs> Apparently, you don't use knives when you're eating pie. Did you know this? Who knew this? Well, that's not as many as I would have thought. Who would have used a knife to eat your pie? Put your hand up. Oh, it's about half and half. Okay, I need to tell him this. So I realized what he was doing, so I went on my Instagram page thinking all along that I was totally going to win this contest. And I went on my Instagram story. I was like, okay, guys, here's the three options. Vote. Not one vote came in for option C on Instagram. And I think on Facebook there was like 30-some-odd votes that came in, and only three, I think, were for option C. Meaning, I, was I lost that by landslide. I, I had people messaging me all sorts of questions on Instagram. One of them was, do you use a knife when you cut a piece of cake? And I'm like, no, like at a birthday party, I just hold it and use a fork and like eat it. Anyways, open up this whole can of like people thinking I'm crazy for using a knife. 
including a guy I've never met before. A friend of Jeff's on Facebook is also a friend of mine on Facebook, and he's a friend of mine on Instagram. I've never laid eyes on this man. If he was to be here tonight, I would have no idea that it was him. So he says something on the, on the Facebook comment. He's like, Marisa, you've got to be kidding me. You don't use a knife when you're eating pie. And then he uploads a photo of the pie he had just eaten with a fork only. <laughs> but his was in a bowl. So then I was like, are we really going to take the advice, of, the count, the vote of someone who eats pie in a bowl? So the next night, totally by a fluke, we had happened to have a pie at our house, a real legitimate dessert pie. Um, we had people over. I think Josh and Melissa were over that night, I think. Anyways, we dish up the pie, and everyone gets their pie in a plate, and Jeff hands me mine in a bowl. He's like, Karen, I'll help you using only the fork. <laughs> it's a little look into the real-life marriage of Marisa and Jeff. Mm. But he did promise he'll use utensils at the wedding, so it's all good. <laughs> Follow along on Instagram, too, by the way, if you're not, because we have a lot of fun over there. I'm not a Facebook friend at all. I feel like Facebook is work. I'm not going to lie. Sorry, everybody. I love Instagram. So follow along over there if you uh, want to get more behind-the-scenes fun into our lives. Okay, we're going to talk about real things, not just pie. Two weeks ago, we had pastors um, Ken and Glenda Mallman here. How many were here for that? Man, he shared such a profoundly simple word, talking about the mountains and all the different types of mountains that we face in our lives. And then he said, just hang on with me till the end. I'm going to tell you how to overcome each of these mountains. And the answer was so simple. Look up. And he shared a scripture from Psalms 121, verses 1 and 2. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What a powerful, powerful truth. So his whole message two weeks ago was about lifting our eyes up to the hills, seeing that our help comes from the Lord. Last week, we had uh, pastors Luis and Adriana here. Awesome weekend last weekend. And at the 9 o'clock service, she had a prophetic word for the church. If you weren't here, you would have missed it. But her prophetic word was this, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And she said, church, I believe the Lord wants to tell you that you need to look up. Look up. Look to God. Look to Jesus. He's the answer for everything that you need. Whenever stuff like that happens, like me and Mary, usually we catch each other's eye and we're like, God is trying to get our church's attention. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that two pastors who haven't, haven't been here in years both share the same scripture one week after the next. God's trying to speak to us. God's trying to tell us, church, to look up. Look up. So, I was thinking about that all week this week and I thought, why? Why do we need to look up? Why do we need to look up? And I'm just going to go through a few things. This is by no means exhaustive, but these are four reasons why we need to look up when we are facing the mountains that are around us. In the Bible, there's the example of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah did not have any children, and they were very, very old. Very, very old. Um, he was over 100. About, well, he was about 100. And the Lord came to him and said, you're going to have a kid. 
And not only are you going to have a kid, you are going to be the father of nations. See the stars in the sky, Abraham? Can you count them? Well, no, God, I can't. That's how many kids you're going to have. Can you number the amount of sand on the shore, Abraham? No, God, I can't. That's the amount of kids that you're going to have. And at this stage of his life, his wife was barren, and they were really old. And the Lord spoke this promise to him. So in Romans chapter 4, there's like a recount of this story of Abraham. And we're going to read from chapter, um, sorry, verse 16 right through to 21. It says, To the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. What an encouraging example of someone with faith. We know the story because we get the, the opportunity to read the scripture in its entirety and see what happened. So from the time the promise is given until the time is fulfilled is like a few chapters. But in their lives, it was years and years and years. And they know exactly what it's like to be standing in front of a mountain. The people in scripture know exactly what you feel when you're standing in front of your mountain waiting to see God intervene. And yet now we can look at their examples and see, wow, look how God came through. The first thing, the first reason why we should look up is because when we look up, hope stands up. What is your posture? Is your posture in front of your mountain one of, oh my gosh, this is terrible. This is so hard. I'm just going to give up. Or is your posture one that's standing up strong, saying, no way. This seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Because when you look up past the mountain and see God, the hope in you stands up. It said in verse 18, In hope Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. In hope he believed against hope. Your posture and my posture when we're standing in front of that mountain. I want you to picture as we go through this actually, what is your mountain? Is it a mountain that you have to pray and believe is going to melt like wax in the presence of God? It is, a mountain, is it a mountain that you're going to speak to and it's going to be cast up and thrown into the sea because the faith that's going to rise up in your heart? Is it a mountain that you are going to have to climb and experience the thrill of victory when you get to the top? Or is it a mountain that's going to require a detour and require you to go around it? What is your mountain? Think in your, think in your mind. Get that idea in your mind. This is the mountain that's in front of me right now. Even if you don't know how you're supposed to tackle it, you still might be wanting to pray that it melts in the presence of the Lord, and he might be saying, you're climbing this one, baby. <laughs> but think in your mind, what is the mountain in front of you? What mountain are you facing? We need to look up beyond the mountain, above the mountain, to the face of God, so that hope can stand up in our spirits. Why else do we need to look up? Because when we look up, faith grows up. Our faith grows up and matures when we face obstacles and when we face 
trials and when we face difficulties, Scripture says, blessed are you when you face all those obstacles and all those trials. When you can patiently endure and come out on the other side, blessed are you. Your faith has an opportunity to grow when you are on or facing and standing in front of these mountains. Verse 19 and 20, it says, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. Faith says, my body is old. My wife is beyond childbearing years, but God said, and faith grabs hold of what God is saying and pushes aside what the natural circumstances say, right? We have to be people that can have our faith grow up. You know, a number of years ago, I had the opportunity to to preach a message. I think it was on a breakthrough prayer night, so it was a little message, (laughs) And it was taken from a scripture in Ezekiel that said, prophesy to the mountains, to the hills, to the valleys, and to the ravines. And when I had been going through the book of Ezekiel, that verse jumped out at me because I was like, I get prophesying over people, but prophesying over inanimate objects seemed a little strange. And it led me on this study. And one of the things that I learned in this study is that when we are positioned on, on mountains, when we are facing a mountain in our life and it's one of the ones we got to climb. Anyone ever had to go through that? Yeah, climbing the mountains is so much fun. <laughs> Do you know that there's a number of scriptures in the Bible that speak to that very circumstance? Psalm, 100 and, uh, sorry, Psalm 18 verse 33 says that God has given you feet like hinds feet to settle you on high places. Hind's feet are feet that have are animals' feet that have split hooves, and they are the only animals in nature that are made like this. And the way that they're constructed, the way that God created their hooves to be positioned, that gives them incredible ability to quickly go up the steepest mountain sides that there are. So much so that they can escape the fastest jungle cats, the fastest mountain lions, not jungle cats. The fastest mountain lions who can way outrun them, but they don't have the right things on the bottom of their feet. These split-hooved animals can just quickly go up the mountain and escape the most vicious predator that they have because of the way that God designed their feet. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 19 says, He gives me hind feet so I can tread on high places. If you're facing a mountain here today, church, and you know it's one of the ones you're supposed to climb, it ain't melting, you ain't casting it into a sea, and you're not going around it. But if you're facing a mountain today and you know your job, what God's calling you to do is to climb it, to know and trust. Let your faith grab hold of the fact that you have hinds feet and you have the ability, you have the power to go up that mountain and to escape every danger of the enemy, to escape every attack that the enemy is going to have to try to take you out. God has given you and equipped you with all that you need to get to the top of your mountain successfully and safely. Let your faith grab hold. Stop looking at what your natural eyes see and let your faith grab hold that when you look up, your faith is going to grow up. The third thing, when you look up, so your hope stands up, your faith grows up, and the third thing is that worship goes up. You cannot look to the God above your mountain and not have worship come out of your heart. 
If you are staring at what you think is the God above your mountain and yet you're still full of frustration and, and weariness and, and questions and where's God and why is this happening and I don't get this and my feelings don't like this and I'm agitated, you're not looking at God. Because as soon as you look at the God above your mountain, you're still facing all of the stuff. It's still there. But suddenly in your perspective is this, oh, instead of this mountain that's here, there's this God who causes dead things to come back to life. There's this God who says nothing is impossible with me. There's this God who says, you just lay there and hold your peace. I'm going to fight your battles for you. There's a God that's fighting on your behalf. And when you begin to look up and you see there's God, the God of yesterday, the God of today, the God of tomorrow, he hasn't changed. My circumstances have changed, but God hasn't changed. God, you're amazing. God, you are incredible. Lord, there's no one like you. I give you all the glory. I give you all the praise because there's no one like you. In spite of the circumstances, God, you're bigger, you're greater, you're stronger. You're the same God yesterday that you are today. God, I love you for it. You're awesome. Are you hearing me? This is what happened with Abraham. In verse 20, it says, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. That word glory means honor, praise, and worship. Your faith is going to grow up as you, in the middle of that circumstance, when there's a mountain in front of you, as you just learn to worship in the midst of it, your faith is going to be strengthened, just like Abraham's was. Um, Matthew 16, 23 the last part of Matthew 16, 23. This is Jesus talking, and he said this to his disciples. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Oh, man, guys, if I'm going to be honest, he said those same words to me, too, before. You're a hindrance to me right now, Marisa, because you're not setting your mind on what I've got my mind set on. You're setting your mind on your circumstances, on your emotions, on the people, on the problems. And usually those two are connected. <laughs> I don't want to be a hindrance to what God's wanting to do. I don't want to be a hindrance. I want to unite my thoughts with Jesus' thoughts. And when we worship and when we get our eyes on Jesus and begin to give him glory and praise, all of those limitations in our thinking begin to melt away. Psalm 50, verse 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Sometimes the, the thanksgiving and the glory and the honor, it's a sacrifice. Right? Sometimes we don't want to worship. Sometimes we don't want to tell God how great he is when we feel like he's withholding something from us. But he is great all the time and greatly to be praised no matter what. And offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to his name. Offer sacrifice when you don't feel like it. When your emotions say, this circumstance is terrible. This is, when's it ever going to change? But going around the same old mountain over and over and over. Maybe if you change your tune, the mountain will change. You know what I'm saying? Worship. We're going to do that in a little bit. I was out with um, Pastor Luis and Adriana after church on Sunday. 
You know when people are prophetic and you're having a conversation and then they get this look in their eye? <laughs> you're like, uh-oh, this is either going to be really bad or really good. Well, that's what I think. And he says, look at me. He speaks really good English, too. He says, look at me. Whatever song, will you guys hear at the 11 o'clock service on Sunday? Okay, those of you who weren't here, just a really quick recap. He pulled me out of my chair and gave me a word from the Lord about recording music. It's like every time a prophet comes into the church, that's what they tell me. <laughs> I hear you. And he said, keep writing. And he said, no, why did you stop writing? Who told you to put the notebook down? I'll tell you why. Because there was a mountain in the way. And instead of worshiping through the situation, I said, forget it, God. I'm not the girl for this job. See ya. Get somebody else. So he starts speaking, and he's like, the Lord's saying, who said put the notebook down? Keep writing music. Your music's going to go around the world. Your music's going to be sung in Canada. Your music's going to be sung in the nations. Just put a repeat on what all the other prophets have said. Your kids and your grandkids, you're going to write so many songs. It's going to be sung for generations and generations to come. Praise the Lord. So he looks at me across the table at lunch, and he says, those songs that you have to write, the ones you've already written, are you going to put them on an album? I said, yeah, yeah, 100%, yes. He says, look at me. God has made the provision available to you to do this project. Everything you need, he has, I see it in the heavens. I see he's got it, and he's ready to give you all you need so that your church can produce an album. He said, your job is to begin to thank him as though it's already been done. Right? And then right away, the Holy Spirit convicts me, and I said to him, Pastor, in October of last year, sometimes I'm a slow learner, guys. In October of last year, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, oh, did I write it here? He said, Marisa, give glory to God for the promise before the promise is received in every area of your life. <laughs> Learn to be somebody who's thankful as if you've already received the gift. And I was like, I can do that. And so in, in areas of my life, I've taken on that role where I'm learning to be thankful. We had a staff meeting when we first got the offer um, to, the, to the people that ended up buying Main Street. We had a staff meeting, and I said to them, guys, we're gonna, let's just take the last few minutes of this prayer time, praying that it would all go through. Can we just thank the Lord as though it's already done? As though the deal's already closed, we're already moved into Cumberland, people are already getting saved, miracles are taking place, marriages are getting restored, people are coming to know Jesus. It's already happening now, let's thank the Lord. And we had a prayer time just thanking God as if it was already, already done. And I've tried in so many areas of my life to apply this, but I didn't in this one area. Well, in more than one, but in this one in particular. So he looks at me from across the table and says, you need to start thanking the Lord as though it's already happened. I said, Pastor, this is what the Lord spoke to me last October, and I haven't done it in this area. He's like, well, you already know your key, so start to do it. And I believe that that's a key not just for this situation. I believe that's a key for us as a church, 
for the body of Christ. Learn to look up and see God over the mountain. See the God above the mountain. And in that position, just begin to thank him as though it's already happened. Your mountain has already melted like wax. Your mountain has already been picked up and cast into the sea. Your mountain has already been, you've already reached the pinnacle of your mountain. Or you've already gone around the other side and experienced the wonderful victory God has for you. From that mindset, just thank him in the middle of it. Thank you, God, that I'm overcome this, that this is the, not the end of me. Thank you, God, that we've had so much fruit and so much success. Thank you, God, that people's lives have been ministered to because we put out this album. Thank you, Lord, that the songs that we wrote are blessing hearts of people driving their car on their way to work. They're encountering your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Praise him. Okay, finally, <laughs> the fourth thing, when we look up, miracles show up. Verse 21 says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he, was, what he had promised. And of course, we know that Abraham's story goes on that he had his son. And from him, all of, all of us are the children of Abraham and Sarah. We don't have time to get into that theology right now. But all of us are the fulfillment of that promise that God gave to him when he said, look at the stars in the sky. When we look up, miracles begin to happen. And our church is positioned right now for miracles to begin to happen. Miracles are going to show up Last week, Pastor Louise started sharing prophetically that we were going to enter into a new season of the presence of God at our church, a new level. And he said, we're like almost there. You know, sometimes you get these words and it's like, it's about to happen. And then you realize, oh, they're about to happen and God's about to happen are a lot different. He was careful to say, oh, it's close, guys. Careful to encourage our spirits to say, keep pressing on. And we told him at lunchtime that some of the exact wording that he used at church on the weekend was given to us this year, going into this year prophetically by some people on staff, some people on our intercessory prayer team, some other people who had emailed in words for this year about this being a year where miracles begin to take place in this church. Some of the verbiage was identical. And we said to him, you're confirming what we already believe, that God is speaking over us here at Living Hope. This is going to be a church where the miraculous is the norm. Listen, God doesn't play favorites. And there is no formula to seeing miracles come. You can look at the most destitute third world country where there's a little house church happening in a hut. And they're raising the dead back to life. Or you can look at some fantastic churches in North America where the Spirit of God is evidently there and they're seeing miracles happen over and over and over again. There's no formula in the kingdom of God. There is no favorites. I pick this church and I choose this one. But I do know this. The Lord has said, for believers, greater works than Jesus' works shall we do. It is our inheritance, church. Amen. A little while ago, our, my dad was sharing and he was talking about his heart to see more of God's presence here. Not just coming to church and having good experiences, but really having greater intimate relationships with Jesus and seeing more of the presence of God evident in our lives and in this church. And then a few weeks later, Pastor Luis is here and he says, you're in a season where you're about to encounter more of the presence of God. God is trying to get our attention 
right? The scriptures say all through the gospels, he who has ears, let him hear. I pray that you're hearing what God is speaking to our church. We are in a season where our hope needs to stand up, our faith needs to grow up, our worship needs to go up, and miracles are going to show up, church. They are going to show up. Romans 4, 17 says, God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. What does not exist in your life right now that needs to? God calls it into existence for you, church. The thing you're waiting for, God calls it into existence. He's able, he is able, and he is willing to bring it into existence in your life. Do you believe that? This is what I want to do this evening. We're going to spend a little bit of time giving glory to God for this new level that we're going to enter in as if we're already in it. We're going to spend time worshiping and just giving God glory and honor and thanks as if we're already seeing your mountain gone or, or victory from that mountain achieved, as if we're already seeing miracles and signs and wonders. And I'm not talking about like, oh, I think that maybe I struggled with this illness and maybe now it's kind of gone. I'm talking about like I had a cancer diagnosis and now it's gone. I was taking insulin because my pancreas doesn't work and now I take no insulin. You know what I'm saying? I had arthritis and now I have none. I had a back problem and now it's healed. I went to the doctor and they said, oh, it's a miracle. That's what I'm talking about. Miracles where you can begin to say to your friends, oh, you're sick? Let me pray for you because Jesus heals. Do you know how many people are going to give their lives to Jesus when you can go to work and lay hands on them and they get healed? Right? Oh, right? Okay, so there's a couple things that we're going to worship about, we're going to pray for, actually. Hey, if you're visiting with us tonight, we're doing things just a little bit different than normal. (laughs) Normally, at this point in time, we're about to, like, maybe wind down, and then we'll kind of say a prayer and go home. But not tonight. So, we're going to stand to our feet. And before we even get into any of these specific things that I feel led that we're supposed to be praying for tonight, we're just going to start by lifting up our voices and worshiping and thanking God as if we've already entered into the new season that's in front of us. Church, lift your hands, lift your voice, and begin to glorify, honor, and worship Jesus.
need healing in your body, I want you to worship God and thank Him as if you've already received your miracle. Thank Him for touching your body. Thank Him for healing you. in your body I want you to put your hand wherever it is we're not going to bring up to the front and pray for healing we're just gonna wherever you are put your hand on whatever the issue is and all together church whether you have an issue that needs healing on your body or not let's just begin to pray for a healing touch of God right now to touch everybody in this room in Jesus name in Jesus' name, we declare healing to flow in the name of Jesus. We release the spirit of healing and wholeness in this place. check yourself out and now you're feeling different. You know what I'm saying? I want you to check yourself out if you have the ability to do that right now. Test something about what you just prayed for. You know what I'm saying? If you need someone to whisper into a plugged ear, have someone whisper into a plugged ear. If you need to bend down and touch your toes because your back wouldn't let you, test something here. Let's see. 
If you feel like God's touched your body, just lift your hand up. Lift your hand. Amazing, 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 amazing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray for three things. The first two we're going to pray for at the same time. And that is this. Isaiah chapter 54. Verse 1. It says, Sing, O barren one, you who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. The first group of people we're going to pray for tonight are people who are barren and who are trying to have kids and you have not been able to conceive. We're going to pray that your womb is open. That word sing in Isaiah 54 means to shout aloud for joy, to cry out, to be joyful, to rejoice, to sing for joy, to triumph. We are going to pray for barrenness today from the posture of they've already given birth. They're already holding their child in their arms. Isaiah 54 verse 2 says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and the people desolate cities. Fear not. Listen, barren women, fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. You will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and the Holy One of your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth, he is called. We're going to believe, God, that your husband is going to visit you tonight in a powerful way and open your room. The second group of people we're going to pray for are parents with prodigal children. Later on in Isaiah 54, starting at verse 11, it says, O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony, which is a sparkling paint. And I will lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of agate, which is rubies, and your gates of carbunicles, um, which are strong stones. Basically, you're going to be strong and you're going to be gorgeous. All of your walls will be of precious stones. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. That word peace is their well-being, spirit, soul, and body. Great shall be the peace of your children. We're going to pray for prodigal children. Jeremiah 31, 16 and 17. The Lord gave me this verse in January during prayer and fasting. And I got a board at home with all of the names of prodigal children that you guys wrote on my Facebook page. There's, only, there's over 70 names of children on that, on that board that I've been praying over all year with this scripture. I have heard Ephraim grieving. No, wrong one. Isaiah 31, 16 to 17. Thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. 
There is a hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children shall come back to their own country. Amen. This is how I believe the heart of your children is going to be. Starting at verse 18 of Jeremiah 31. I have heard Ephraim grieving. Put your own kid's name in there. You have disciplined me and I was disciplined. Like an untrained calf, bring me back that I may be restored. For you are the Lord my God. For after I had turned away, I relented. And after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed and I was confounded because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Listen, the hearts of your children are going to come to a place where they're going to say, What am I doing? What am I doing? I need Jesus. Are you tracking with me? We're going to pray for barrenness, and we're going to pray for your prodigal children. So if you are in either of those categories, come on up to the front. like it's already happened they're already here they are rejoicing you barren women have children in your arms and we're rejoicing and we're thanking God for what's happened so lift your voices and begin to thank the Lord
And God, remember that time when my son and my daughter came to me and said, Mom, Dad, I've been a fool. I need Jesus. God, do you remember that time I got to pray with them and lead them back into your family? Jesus, do you remember that time they came to church with me and they were like, man, I need to be in this place. Jesus, remember the time when they came home and they were like, man, I, I gotta get involved at that church. I gotta serve. I gotta get involved in a C group. I gotta help other people come out of the place where I was. Jesus, I remember what you did in my kid's life. I remember that you saved them. I thank you that you saved them, God. I thank you that they're yours and you brought them home, Jesus. You're so good to me, God. You cared about my kids more than I did. And when it seemed like it was impossible, you made a way, God. You made a way. You broke through the hardest of hearts, and you made a way. God. And look, God, they're married to awesome, godly people, and they're raising their children to love you. They're raising their children in the house of God. Thank you, Lord, that my grandchildren are going to grow up and call me blessed. Thank you that my grandchildren are going to be used by you in mighty ways, Jesus. God, you did all that for me when in my mind I saw all it was was a mountain. But you were working. You were working. You were working in their hearts. You were arranging circumstances. You were connecting them with people. Jesus, thank you that you loved them more than me. dedications. We just see this platform full of women who are saying, man, I tried for four years. I tried for five years. I tried for six years. I tried for 10 years. I tried for 14 years. And I'm here and I'm dedicating my baby back to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. of your prayer whatever your circumstance is let this be the posture of your prayer because listen when you pray like this your hope stands up and your faith grows up and worship goes up and it creates an environment for the miraculous to show up come on 
you see it? Do you see it in your spirit eyes? Do you see? Come on, God's good. God is good. You guys can stay right where you are, and we're going to pray for one more thing. Whew. God's so good. Guys, like, we're going to be in church, and people are going to be pushed in on wheelchairs, and they're going to leave on their feet. Do you know what I'm saying? With type 1 diabetes, your, your pancreas stops producing insulin, okay? It used to be called juvenile diabetes because it usually just happened in kids. It stops working. That organ shuts down. There's people in our church with that kind of diabetes. And it doesn't matter. They could be the healthiest, the most in shape, take care of their bodies, lose weight. They could do whatever they need, but their pancreas does no longer work. God's going to change that. And the organ's going to start working. It's going to start producing the insulin that their body needs. And they're going to have to no longer take insulin anymore. You know what? You're going to show up at work and someone's going to be devastated because they just got a rotten diagnosis from the doctor. And with confidence, you're going to say, Oh, God will heal that. Can I pray for you? And you're going to pray for them, and they're going to get healed. And then they're going to tell everybody, and then they're going to give their hearts to Jesus, and then all your other coworkers are going to want you to pray for them, and they're going to get healed, and they're going to get saved, and there's going to be a revival at your workplace. That's what's going to happen. hold of this today and that you're not just getting excited but I hope your spirit is catching hold of what God is doing what he is about to do in this next level of his presence in our church we're going to pray for one more thing we're going to pray for this the West Mount campus and our new Gage Park campus because there's people that need Jesus in our city and God's called us to reach them Isaiah 45, pick it up at verse 15. If anyone stirs up strife, it's not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravager to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. God is our defender. God planted this church. God established this church in someone's living room. You hear me? God said, I choose for that group right there to be the foundation of a church that will one day be called Living Hope. And it will one day have a Westmount campus and a Gage Park campus. God ordained all of that. Not any man, woman. It's a God thing. This is God's house. And no one that rises in accusation against the house of the Lord will succeed. It is not from God. 
God's our fighter, God's our defender. What he put in place, he will defend, church. He will defend. Jeremiah 31, verse eight and nine. That's what I've been praying for our church this year. Jeremiah 31, all year long. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor together, a great company they shall return here. With weeping they shall come, with pleas for mercy, I will lead them back. A great company from every walk of life, from every nation of the world, God is bringing right now into our city for our inheritance, church. And we're going to worship and we're going to give God glory right now and honor right now as if they're already here, they're already saved, they're already serving on an A-team, they're already in your C-group, they're already leading C-groups, they're already involved in the call of God on their lives. Let's begin to thank God for them, for what he's done in our church, what he's done in our campuses. prophets that said that our church would be full of young people, that our church would be full of healthy, strong families. Thank you, Lord, for the words that said that a revival was going to break out in our church and that word would spread all around this nation and people would say, what's happening at that church in Hamilton called Living Hope? you for the prophetic words that came that said there would be signs in the airport saying that's the way you want to go that's the direction to living home thank you Lord that your word said you were going to put on a spectacle here that others from all over the nations of the world would come and learn would come and receive from your presence would come and take back to their own churches and to their own nations an impartation that only your glory can bring that when you spoke those words you were true to to those words and that every single one of them has come to pass thank you Lord that we get to stand in amazement and see the amazing move of God in our day thank you Jesus thank you God that we get to be a part of it thank you God that you use us in our humanity, in our brokenness. Thank you that you redeem us, God, and you say, yep, you 
I choose you. God, we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. You didn't just pick a favorite. But Lord, you chose to have your glory rest on this place. You chose to have your favor rest upon this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we get to be a witness, that we get to be a part of it. Thank you, God, that our our legacy is going to last far beyond our lifetime. Thank you, Lord, that the name of Jesus will be lifted high through living hope for generations and generations and generations to come. Because you chose to establish this church in a living room in Hamilton, Ontario. Thank you, God, that we see every weekend people giving their lives to Jesus. Every weekend we see miracles. Every weekend we see people coming and saying, I need Jesus. We thank you that there's a lineup for water baptisms. There's a lineup of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving in our city in a way that we could only have dreamt of. Come on, church, one more time in your own words. Thank the Lord for what he's doing right now in Westmount Campus at a Gage Park campus. night where we had a good time in church praying for things but let this change the way that you intercede and the way that you pray and the way that you stand in front of your mountain right like the scripture said as Abraham gave glory to God his faith increased let's be a church that gives glory to God all the time as if it's already happened as if we're already walking in the fulfillment of the promise let's be a church that looks up all the time amen praise God praise God hallelujah